It's Christmas. I don't know if you've seen this, but in my neighborhood, people are ready to celebrate. My neighborhood is more decorated and earlier this year for Christmas than I think in the entire eight years that I've lived there. It just seems like people are in the festive spirit. It seems like people are excited to celebrate. And so I just want to echo what Nathan said. We know that at times this can be also a difficult season for many of us. And so here at Life Center, over these next couple of weeks, our prayer is that the presence of God would sit so powerfully in this room that there would be life, that there would be life in this Christmas season, whether we're, we're, we're collectively just on the top of the mountain or we sang it last week, maybe you're feeling like, like your spirit is just low. We pray that together collectively here at Life Center that we would sense the presence of God and that it would bring life. So over the next three weeks, before we get to our exciting Christmas Eve service, this is also very exciting for me, for those of you who haven't met me yet. Uh, this is my first Christmas with the Life Center family, and I'm so excited to be here even this morning introducing this amazing, amazing series. Uh, this is going to be the gift of Christmas. And so this week we're talking about the gift of peace. Hallelujah. Now, is anybody here, where are my gift givers at on Sunday, uh, on Christmas Day? You love to just give gifts. Where are my gift receivers at? Right? Where are those people? That, okay, all right. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. Some of you were just like, I don't know where I fall. We'll figure it out together, right? We got a couple weeks. I didn't see all the hands go up, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I actually remember a very specific uh, Christmas present that my parents gave to me when I was about eight or nine years old. We were at my grandparents' house, uh, which is way over in Gracefield, Quebec. Some people, maybe you know where that is. It's kind of near Manawaki, if that gives you an idea. If you're still lost, Get a map. It's okay. I swear it's a real place. And so I remember uh, Christmas morning, we went down, and I had the biggest present under the tree. It was just one of those moments where, like, you saw this massive present, and all the kids, there was about uh, 18 of us with all the cousins involved. Yeah, not just my family. Like, no, no, no. It was just me and my sister, but then with our cousins and everybody, there was about 18 of us there, and everybody ran to that present and found out that it was for me. And so as we unwrapped the present, my parents got me a motorcycle, like a real one right? Like a real motorcycle. It had two wheels and uh, extra two on the back that like we worked to get those off. The training wheels were a gift. And I remember it was yellow and it was incredible. And in my eight-year-old mind, there was only one name for that motorcycle and it was Speed. And so there was speed all in his glory. And, and, and the, the hard thing was, though, was that it was Christmas. And so there was snow everywhere. And so speed just kind of stayed like by, uh, speed just kind of stayed by the Christmas tree. So it was this great gift, but I couldn't use it in the season. And so as everybody else started to unwrap all their gifts, I actually find my greatest pleasure that Christmas season, that Christmas season in the box. The box was huge, and I don't know if you have had the pleasure, maybe you're a parent here, or you're a grandparent, and you've prepared and gotten your kids, or your grandkids, or a neighbor, or somebody, just this fantastic gift, and you give them the gift, and it's great, and then literally 10 minutes later, it's all about the box, right? It's all about the box, and so that box for me that Christmas was a rocket ship. 
It was incredible. It was also a submarine, right? Because you just scribble out, turn around to the other side. Now it's a submarine, right? You're putting markers all over it. I remember that Christmas because it was the first time that I really realized how fun it was not just to get the gift, but to actually also celebrate what uh, the gift came in. And so this Christmas, we're going to focus on Jesus. Amen? We're going to talk about our Lord and Savior. And we are going to reveal over the next couple of weeks a bunch of different gifts that Jesus, when he came, he gave to us. But also, I just want to emphasize right off the top that our focus is on him. Not just what he's done for us, but him. The fact that our God sent his son for us during this season is the best gift of all. And our good father knows how to give the best gifts. In Luke 11, 11 to 13, our Bible says this. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the heart of Christmas. In the person of Jesus, God gives himself to us. Hallelujah. And when we receive Christ, we get to receive different gifts that come along with him. Peace and joy and love. We also receive, in the embodiment of who Jesus is, our intercessor. The one who is seated at the right hand of God. Daily interceding for us. Daily stepping in and and, and daily reminding the Father of how important we are and what it was that he did on the cross. This is our Savior. The gifts of all the presents that we're going to experience this season are held in the person of Jesus. And he, as we sang today, is our Lord. Before we read our story, let's dive into a verse that will kind of uh, speak to the entire message today. It's found in John 14, 27. This is a promise that we receive from Jesus through Jesus. He says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In John 14, 27. We actually have a gift to unwrap today together. Now, I was going to put this on the table, but God did not give me the gift of height. And so when I tried that, I couldn't even reach in to the gift properly. But this is a perfect height for me. And uh, I just want to have a moment right now with all the short people in the room. I feel you, right? This is our moment, all right? This is our moment. So in the person of Jesus, we receive our first gift for the season, which is peace which is peace. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll be pulling out different words, and they're actually going to find homes here uh, on the stage and in different places in, in the auditorium that as we walk in, as we journey together, that we can remember that it's not just peace for today, but it's peace over our eternity. Amen? And so God gives us peace. Let's just read that one more time. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. John 14, 27. 
Jesus does this in real time. I love the Bible. One of my favorite things was actually joining this church two weeks ago as we were journeying through Trust Scripture. I got to journey around to all of our different campuses and watch as together as Life Center, we journeyed through why we need to trust the Bible, why we need to dig into God's Word. One of the main reasons, right, is exactly the season that we're in right now. It's through the Bible that we today in 2022 receive the stories of Jesus's birth. This book is important. But there's also different things that we can uh, learn as we journey through Scripture together. We can come into uh, verses like what we're going to read today in John 8, 3 to 11. Uh, in the early morning, Jesus is sitting down near the Mount of Olives, and he's teaching all these people who had gathered to him. He's already been on his journey, his, his mission that the Father sent him to. And all of a sudden, John 8, beginning in verse 3, the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, for those of you who are just joining us today, whether online or in person, the scribes and the Pharisees were constantly trying to just dishonor and bring about a bad report when it came to Jesus because he was teaching Scripture in a way that none of them, even in their wildest dreams, could fathom to see it. He was teaching Scripture and he was teaching about the Father in ways that it was not shining a good light on them and on the history of what they've taught and of where they were trying to take the Israelite people. And so here Jesus is teaching and the scribes and the Pharisees, they've brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and placing her in the midst of them. In the midst of all the people, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? They said this to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. But instead, Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I commend you. Go now and sin no more. Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you for your gift of peace that you've brought in, in, in the personhood of your son, God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for uh, just the story, Lord God, of uh, where we can place ourselves in this story and see you, God, speak to us. So, Lord, for each of us today, God, I pray that peace would reign in this room. God, we've already sang about how this is a room for your freedom to move. And so, God, right now, I just invite the peace of God to settle in this place. Lord, for those of us today who are struggling with fear or anxiety, Lord Jesus, or, or maybe this season has brought about just, just memories and emotions, Lord God, that are dragging us down. God, I pray your peace over every situation. Lord, let our minds be filled with thoughts of you. Expectations, Lord Jesus, of that soon coming king. Soon we will celebrate, Lord God, the first time that you came. Lord, today we stand expectant of when you will come again. And Lord, let that be our peace today. Let our peace reside in you. 
And so we ask that today in Jesus' name. And Life Center Kanata said, amen. amen, amen. I love the word amen. The word amen means let it be so. Right, And so when we say amen, it's not just a, a church word. It's not just to close a prayer. It's an agreement that together that we believe that peace will rest here today. Amen? Amen. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Just like Nathan said, not bad, 9 o'clock. We're waking up. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. So all of a sudden in this story, Jesus is, is teaching a gathered group of people who they have come for multitude of reasons. Some of them would have heard of the miracles that Jesus had done, and that had gotten them out of their homes. Some of them would have heard that he's teaching about God in a fresh and new way, and that would have brought them. Some of them just would have heard that this man is speaking life. And so the crowd is gathered around Jesus and out from the back of the scene as Jesus is teaching, as he's walking people with a new lens, with a new view through scripture, with a new understanding of who God the Father is, the Pharisees drag this woman into their midst. And as they throw her into the center of the crowd, they accuse her. Not of a rumor. See, the Bible seems to insinuate, and many uh, theologians believe that they had literally been planning this moment. The Pharisees were so out uh, to get Jesus that many theologians believe that they had not only caught this woman in the act before, but they had actually dragged her in front of Jesus and the gathering people because she had committed the act just moments earlier. And so now she's dragged into the middle of this scene and, and they begin to accuse her using scripture. They begin to accuse her using the law of Moses. They're actually referring to two passages. One which is found in Leviticus, another which is found in Deuteronomy. Let's read them today. Leviticus 20 verse 10 says, If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Deuteronomy 22, 22 says, If a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall purge the evil from Israel. These are the accusations that the, the Pharisees and their scribes are bringing against this woman. They have presented her not only in front of Jesus, but in front of the crowd. She is feeling this immense amount of not only guilt, but shame. This woman actually isn't just in this instant being used for, for the sin that she's been caught in, but, but the, the Pharisees are trying to make an example. They're trying to actually use this woman for their own game. She's being stripped of her dignity. She's being stripped of her worth. In this moment, they are leaning on the law that Jesus has been raised in in order to try to dismiss his claims that God is a God of love and peace and joy. Things that, God, that Jesus was presenting to the nation of Israel, they're hard to, to, to dig out of the Old Testament, but Jesus was presenting them in a new way where the Pharisees wanted to control people through their guilt and through their shame. Jesus was here to bring about a revelation that God had a plan, a plan that would lead to redemption. And he began to present the Father in a brand new way. But here, the Pharisees, they are caught in their old understanding of the law. And so they present this woman, and she's been caught in adultery. She's in real trouble. If you can put yourself in, in the position of this woman for a moment, the, the anxiety that she must have been feeling. She's been presented not only to this crowd, but to Jesus. Jesus. 
who at the end of these scriptures, we know that she calls him Lord. It's an understanding from this woman of who this person is and the anxiety that she must have felt because she would have known the scriptures as well. She would have known what it was that the Pharisees were presenting, that she was deserving of this punishment that she was deserving of this ridicule, that she was deserving of all these things because of her sin. And all these other things have been stripped away from her, her dignity. It's interesting here that it's only the woman that's brought forward. As we'll go through Leviticus and Deuteronomy, we'll see that both of them comment that the men also should die. But here the 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 the. The Pharisees have, have, have left that part out and, and, and we see this woman, she's alone and she's vulnerable, presented before Jesus, who the Pharisees are expecting to give the order of condemnation. I wonder how many of us have been in that same circumstance. I remember being a, a youth pastor. One of the first things that I really dug into with my youth and that I want to share with us today is that uh, uh, I found early on in youth ministry that a lot of young people were hesitant to come to church if they had had a hard week. A lot of young people were hesitant to come to church if, if they felt like they had failed, if they felt like they hadn't walked faithfully in their walk with God because they were worried about what others who knew them would say. That if they walked into church, if they walked into our youth group and began worshiping God, but somebody knew what they had done, that they would be considered a hypocrite. And so instead of wanting to push the notion of hypocrisy, they simply avoided the church where the redemption could be found. And I just remember wrestling with that in church. I want to let you know that we need to wrestle with that as well because that sentiment is not okay. The church is not a place for perfect people. Amen? The church is a place where we come together and collectively go on this journey of sanctification, which means that no, not one of us is perfect. But we're all on the journey every day of every week to look more like Jesus. And so if you're here today and you've had a difficult week or maybe this week didn't go exactly as you planned or, or, or maybe there was sin that entered into that moment, I want to let you know that your freedom is here today. I want to let you know that this is a place where you can sit in God's peace because we collectively as Life Center are so glad that you came. And we're so honored that even in those moments where you may not feel at your highest, that you felt that you could come here and worship Jesus. That's church. That's church. That's what it is that we're doing. And so now all of a sudden, all the focus is directed towards Jesus. And Jesus completely begins to remove the woman uh, from the narrative. Did you notice that in the story where it started with the woman and then all of a sudden all the attention was put on Jesus? In fact, in John 8, verses 6 to 7, it says that he bent down and began to write things in the ground as they continued to ask him, as they continued to challenge him to give the word of condemnation. He would not speak, but he wrote. Now, we're not sure exactly what he wrote. Theologians believe that, theologians, theologians, wow. Theologians believe that it could have been an assortment of things. He may have been writing the sins of some of those who were present. He may have been writing down the sins of, of some of the Pharisees who were making the accusatory stance. He, he may have been writing down other portions of Scripture that would begin to point to exactly what he was about to say. 
We're not sure what it was, but we know that Jesus considered it in that moment to be important enough to shift the focus of the story. Jesus doesn't walk away from the woman or her situation. Church, I want to encourage you today that God is not in the business of walking away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you, we are not in the situation where as we sin, Jesus punts us to the back of the line and says start over. No, we are in the situation where as we fall, as we fall short of the, the perfection that Jesus has set before us, he stands beside us and still calls us his own. Our God is a God of grace. Powerful word. Not one to be abused. Amen? Not one to be taken for granted, but grace is central to the gospel. And that is a word that our God stands upon. So see, because in this moment, Jesus, he doesn't make any excuses for her. Amen? He doesn't stand in those moments and say, well, you know, we don't know what she's been through. And, and maybe she need, he doesn't do that. He stands upon the law of the Old Testament. He knows what it is that it says. He understands it, but he understands it in a way that is new and fresh. He begins to reveal it in that new way. See, it's not her guilt that he's trying to pardon, but it's her shame and her anxiety that he's looking to bring the word of peace. It is not her guilt that he is trying to pardon, but it is her guilt, her shame, and her anxiety to where he wants to bring peace. Church, I want to let you know that Jesus does not look to excuse our guilt. But when it comes to shame and when it comes to anxiety, he wants you to know this morning that he loves you and he sees you for who the Father made you to be, not simply who you are in that moment. Amen? Oh, that's powerful. Come on, someone write that down. That's good. Because that's our God. That's our God. He doesn't sling shame. He expands upon guilt and he brings genuine conviction. Right? See, with guilt, there can be conviction. We're not looking to eliminate guilt because guilt actually lets us know that that is not correct. Amen? There is guilt. When we sin, there should be guilt. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. That could, should put us in the position where we say, oh, this isn't right. But the Holy Spirit does not look to bury us in shame, which is exactly what the Pharisees were trying to do in church. It's exactly what we need to be careful that we don't do to people. Amen? John 8, 7. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Fine. Fine. Let him who was without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Oh, powerful. This is a powerful statement from our Savior. See, we, we need to make sure that we don't miss this. He's not removing shame. The matter of guilt, it remains. But at this moment, Jesus isn't saying you have to be sinless or you can't properly judge the law. What he is saying is a profound and separate gift. John Piper puts it so eloquently. Listen to this. At this moment, there is zero grace, zero humility, zero compassion, which means not a single one of, is keeping the heart of the law. So the most remarkable point of the story is that Jesus exalts himself above the law of Moses, changes its appointed punishment, and reestablishes righteous, 
righteousness as the foundation of grace. Hallelujah. See, in that moment, as Jesus is, is making that statement, we know that there is one in this story who is without sin. As Jesus makes that statement, as he says, let there, if there is one of you amongst us who, are, who is without sin, let them be the first to throw a stone. There is one. And his name is Jesus. See, Jesus, he's the only one in this moment who can reconcile and bring redemption for this woman's story. He is looking to bring a bright new light to the world. See, many of us struggle with this, knowing that none of us are perfect, and we get anxious about entering deep into our relationship with God, wondering if he'll love us or, or if our brothers and sisters will allow us to be included, because I truly believe that in the current climate, not a single one of us wants to be labeled with the, the title of hypocrite. See, many of us, when we get to this point in our stories, we simply stop here and do exactly as the, the audience did. It says in John 8, 9, it says that when they heard this, they went one by one, beginning with the older ones, and they walked away. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. The gifts that Jesus have given her in this moment are profound. He, he asked them, where are your accusers? He asked them, where are the people who, who are ready to throw rocks? And, and, and I, I can just imagine Jesus in that moment being the only one who is allowed in that moment by his own profession to throw the stone, releasing it to the ground. Because that's not the God that we serve. The beauty of Christ is that he knows our sins. He knows our faults, our shortcomings. But he has no interest in leaving us there. See, John 8, 10 to 11, Jesus stands up and says to her, Woman, where are they? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. God, we just thank you in this moment, God, that we can call you Lord. No matter how our week has looked, Lord Jesus, that you are so much greater. And so, Lord, even in this moment, as we begin to conclude, God, we call you Lord. Lord, over everything, Lord Jesus, over our dreams, Lord God, over our destinies, Lord Jesus, over our families and our city. God, just as this woman, Lord Jesus, who is being brought into this place of peace calls you Lord, so do we. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. Hallelujah. Go. I do not condemn you. But recognize what has been done in this moment. And sin no more. This is our redemption story. This is our salvation experience. This is our freedom, church. This is our peace. Jesus doesn't say, I don't condemn you and don't worry about your sin. Come on. Jesus doesn't say, I don't condemn you and I don't worry about your sin. He, he says, listen, I recognize that what it is that is in your life, it is separating you from the Father. But I have come to bring you peace. 
I have come to bring you reconciliation. I have come to escort you back to the foot of the throne so that you can see the Father face to face and see him smiling on you. But go from this place and sin no more. Do not allow these things to interrupt the relationship between you and my Father. See, Jesus gives this woman not only this amazing gift of peace, but also the gift of grace. She is literally in this moment saved by grace. When we experience the love and the grace of God, we don't follow because we fear being stoned. We follow because nowhere else on earth can you receive a peace like that. That's why we claim the title of Christian. That's why we wear Jesus on our hearts as Christ followers. Because nowhere else on earth is there salvation that looks like, Jesus, like this. See, now, as we read twice already, John 14, 27 begins to come alive. John 14, 27, Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world... Hallelujah. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, church, and neither let them be afraid. See, his gift of peace is not only to, rec rec to reconcile us and save us from these circumstantial situations, but it is actually to set us free from sin. Hallelujah. God's purpose in our life, the reason why in just a couple of weeks we're going to celebrate him sending his son, is that his purpose is that we would be free from sin because sin has been defeated in Jesus' name. It is under the blood of the cross. Hallelujah. If you are here today, I want to let you know that when you call upon the name of Jesus, you are calling upon salvation. When you call upon the name of Jesus, you are identifying that those chains that maybe you're feeling are so strong are actually loose and rusted because greater is the name of Jesus than he that stands in accusation. Come on. See, this Christmas, the peace of Christ is a gift that's available to us. In receiving the same gift of Christ, in receiving the same gift of Christ, let us carry the challenge to extend it to those who God brings us in relationship with. Church, let us not be Pharisees, amen? Amen? Let us not be Pharisees. Let us not allow the world to look at the church, to look at us and say, well, they don't look anything like what I read in Scripture. Instead, let, us, let them look and stand in awe. As greater as he that is in us begins to live his life out through us for a world that desperately needs to see him. This Christmas, can we receive the gift of peace? But just like I said at the beginning, some of us are gift givers. As we receive the gift of peace, can we also carry the challenge to give it away? We're going to actually step to one of my favorite points of, of, of just Christianity at large. We're going to step to the communion table here. And I just want to uh, encourage each one of us to, to begin to grab our emblems. If you don't have an emblem, if you just want to put your hand up, and, and we have uh, servers at the back that will come and, and make sure that you have one. 
See, this is also a gift that Jesus gave us. Amen, church? This is also a gift that Jesus gave us. On the night that he was betrayed, as they were sharing in the Passover celebration, Jesus did something miraculous, and he began to take the symbols, he began to take the elements of that Passover feast celebration that the Israelites had celebrated for generations. Back to the time when God set them free from, from the Egyptians, back in the time when he, 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 he allowed the, the angel of death to pass over their house. This Passover celebration was so important to the Israelite people. And in the middle of that, 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 that time of, of remembrance, Jesus stood up and he changed the Passover celebration forever. He began to take the emblems and began to give them new meaning where once they, they spoke directly to what God had done in the past, Jesus changed the focus. And he gave the disciples in that moment just a brief glimpse of what God was about to do in their very near future. And today we, we sit together with these emblems in our hand now remembering almost 2,000 years ago what Jesus did for each and every one of us. And as we go into this time before the table, I just want to encourage us. We're, we're going to read 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, but actually at the end of this portion that I will read, Paul the Apostle challenges the church. He says, listen, before you partake together, examine yourselves. That you do not take this in judgment. And so this morning, church, as we talked about the gift of peace that God has given us, I just want us to take a moment together and stand before the Prince of Peace. If you're here today, and, and like I said already, your, your week has been tough and challenging, and maybe you're, you're sitting here today and you say, Pastor Mitch, this week I've fallen short. God knows. And he does not condemn. But instead, he wants to forgive you of all of those things with the challenge that as you receive his forgiveness that you walk in that and flee from sin because we are not people who excuse sin we want sin to die we know that its power was broken on the cross which we will celebrate in just a moment but we need to live in and amongst his power live in and amongst his freedom and accept his peace and so church can we just take a moment and examine our lives before God and ask him to prepare our hearts as we engage with the communion table together. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, Paul says this, For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the night that the Lord was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, let's partake of the bread this morning. Verse 25, in the same way, 
he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Thank you, God. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Church, let's remember this morning. Let's drink. God, we are so thankful for the gift of peace. And Lord Jesus, we receive so that we can freely give away. God, I pray that our neighborhoods today would be full of peace. As we go home today discussing and examining this this amazing portion of Scripture and what you revealed today, God, may it seep out from our houses. May the world know, God, that you love them. That you see them, God, for not who they are in those moments, Lord Jesus, but you see them for who your Father created. And you died for the world, God. And so, Lord, as we receive and we remember what it is that you've done, we also celebrate and rejoice because we know, God, that you are coming again soon. And so today, Lord Jesus, we receive and we speak the word of peace over this place. Lord, be with us as we leave this place in worship today, God. May we celebrate together. Because maybe today for the first time, we have a little bit better understanding of who you truly are. And may we live that out for the world to see. We ask that today in Jesus' name. Canada Life Center said, amen.